every successful person got there by going through tough times. Success is a hard-ass teacher who likes to knock you around along that journey. You know, it takes real guts to not give up and keep going. We'll hear stories about failures and how these leaders flip the script to create success. I'm John Schultz. Join me and let's discover how success is never really overnight. Okay. So welcome to the John Schultz podcast. Uh, I am so excited about this podcast. I'm having on a friend, a very successful friend, I might add, that I've known since I'm three. I, 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 I've known him since I could walk. Uh, and we're still great friends and we play golf together and our families are friends. And, you know, it's like having a brother from another mother. So welcome, Brian Ansel. Thank you so much, John. I'm really happy to be here and honored to be here with you today. So to introduce Brian, he's a partner in Ansel Grimm and Aaron, which is a great law firm. He works in criminal and municipal defense practices, as well as personal injury and medical malpractice group. Uh, he does really well at that. He's a civil trial attorney. He works in the, you uh, worked at your grandfather's firm since 1929, which is incredible. I mean, most businesses don't last five years and this has last as long as any other business that I know. He's one of nine family members who chose law as a profession. Eight out of nine have worked in the firm. He was president of the Monmouth uh, County Bar Association, a BA at George Washington University, and went to Dickinson Law School, got a JD. Welcome, Brian. Thank you, John. Thanks for the great introduction. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's great. I mean, it's amazing how long your firm has been around and still thriving. Yeah. Uh, I think we're... And, you know, obviously, you've been a big, a big part of that. So... My first question to you, you know, when we grow up, we all have aspirations. You know, what, what drove you to want to be a lawyer? I mean, I know your family was and you were around it, but what, what drove you to want to actually be a part of this uh, industry? Uh, as you mentioned in the introduction, my grandfather and two of his best friends started the law firm in 1929 in Asbury Park, New Jersey. My grandfather had four sons. Three of them became lawyers and partners in the firm, my father included. Uh, and now I am one of my two other first cousins who are in the firm with me now as partners. Um, we grew up around a family of lawyers arguing over dinner tables, and uh, uh, it was hard to get a word in edgewise. So people who know me say I can speak forcefully at times, and sometimes people think I'm shouting at them when I'm just speaking my normal tone. That comes having, from having to be heard at the dinner table when you're a kid trying to argue with the likes of David Ansel, Robert Ansel, and Richard Ansel going back to the dead. So I realized uh, at some point in my life after, uh, you know, in, the, in high school, I think when I was around a junior in high school, um, I realized at some point that I wanted to be successful. I wanted to have a successful life. We were all fortunate enough to grow up around successful people and to see what success brings to people. And I said, well, what am I going to be able to be successful at? And naturally I thought, well, being a lawyer worked out pretty well for my father and my uncles, so I think I'll start directing myself to that. And uh, from that point forward, I buckled down and became a better student, got myself into great colleges and law schools, and, and to where I am today. So, so but hearing your uncles, right? Yeah. Obviously, you said you know. First of all, you have a very close family. It's it's incredible how close it is, uh, and it's an, even incredible to have that many family members work in and around each other and still actually talk to each other, which uh, I know is 
is it happens because I see all of you together and, you know, I'm envious of it. But what, what hearing what your uncles had to say, I mean, you know, being a lawyer, obviously, I get it. You heard about it. But what drove you as a person to want to get involved in that? Because in law, you're always trying to argue problems, solve problems. You know, it, it can be a, a chaotic feeling. What, what drove you to want to want to have that well, feeling? Beyond the notion of wanting to have a successful life, you know, the idea of helping people. Um, I was able to see um, my family who did, you know, there's so many different fields of law. Unfortunately, my father was a very prominent criminal defense lawyer. My uncle Richard was a very prominent uh, personal injury civil lawyer. My uncle David was a very prominent family lawyer. So we got to see them actually helping people in all different areas and walks of life. Um, we were also fortunate that they brought myself and my cousins around to the bar association, the bar events, meeting all the lawyers, all their colleagues, the judges, uh, seeing how they spoke to each other and respected each other, and uh, realizing that you could have adversarial relationships in the courtroom but be colleagues outside the courtroom. So the whole that whole aspect of being a lawyer uh, attracted me. Um, and uh, when I was sworn in as president of the bar, one of the things I said is I had the greatest job in the world because I go to five different courts every day and I see so many different friends at every different court. And there's not that many jobs where you can say that that, that happens to you on a daily basis. So and I, what you brought up, which I think is a very good point, like leaning into adversarial, controversial. You know, most people are not good at that. I know being a lawyer, you sort of have to. But how does that apply to your personal life, right? I mean, because, you know, is it a different feeling? Do you have to act differently, be differently? Or I think, how's it flow for you? I think you learn skills as an attorney that translate very well to ordinary life, as we all do in our fields, including your fields. One of the big, uh, biggest things of life is negotiation in general. We're constantly negotiating with people. We're negotiating with our in our business. We're negotiating with our spouses. We're negotiating with our children. We're negotiating uh, with our friends sometimes. Uh, uh, and the skill and the art of, of, of being a good negotiator is to be able to, in my opinion, to see the other side of it and to convince the other side that what you're trying to convince them to do is in their own best interest as well and in everybody's best interest. So you can't, I see so many, I have seen so many lawyers who pin their ears back and just want to fight about everything. And I approach my practice in a very different way. Um, and I think the be best lawyers do um, that you work together to resolve the dispute. Okay. And to resolve the case as best as that can be done. Um, and to be collegial to be respectful, to be professional, um, to uh, grant courtesies when you can, I think are, is a very important part of the way I approach, you know, but, but not only the practice law, uh, as well as my life, and to be generous and to be a generous person when you can be. And how has that helped you in your personal life? Like, how is that model of, you know, dealing with people where you're always trying to convince someone, right, of your point of view. How does that help you or sometimes maybe even hurt you in your personal life? And what did you have to learn to work through both sides, right? Yeah, I think it's certainly a double-edged sword. Like I said, it can it teaches you the skills of, of, um, uh, of being able to uh, see the big picture, see both sides, and try to find the common ground. Um, but there are times where you can find yourself, and I found myself, you know, digging into a position because 
I've learned how to argue things and to argue a position. And sometimes, and I think with maturity, you learn to pull back from that more as you grow older. Um, but you can find, and I have found myself, um, you know, getting entrenched in a position, maybe in a personal life or, you know, even on serving on boards or advocating a position, you know, that you feel strongly is right. Um, and, and to the exclusion of being a good listener, because I think it's very important to be a good listener more so than a good talker. But in deals, right? So we always say when we're, it has to be win-win. Yeah. In law and what you do is, I mean, yes. like, cause obviously is there a win-win or is there, there is a win-win? There's a win-win and the, the win in the law may be a little different than in your business, but it's more about the elimination of risk. Okay. The reason why we, settle cases, whether it's in a criminal field or in the personal injury field, is eliminating risk. We settle because if you put it in the hands of somebody else, such as a jury, you may end up with a worse result. And so resolving disputes eliminates risk and also eliminates ultimate expense, which comes into the equation of, uh, of you know, getting to the finish line in a dispute. So I, I see right. it a little bit different that way. Even with the criminal case, you put your hands in a jury, you could end up going to jail for 10 more years than the plea agreement that was worked out with the prosecutor at this point in time. So in, you know, having a certain result, eliminating ris risk, I think is very important in terms of looking at that as a win-win, as opposed to maybe in your field when you do a business, it has to be a win-win from a financial perspective. Right. Um, uh, you know, but it's maybe a little different when you're looking at you know, the law when you're in mainly resolving disputes amongst people. So what energized you or what, what was your thought process on picking this form of law, right? There's because everything yeah. is the law, right? We're following laws for everything that we do. Instead of being a transactional attorney, what got you focused on being, uh, you know, whether it's the criminal or the personal injury, what made you do that? Well, I'll start with the great line my father had. My father was a very smart man. He went to Yale Law School, and he had to pick a major in law school at Yale. We did not have to do that at Dickinson. He majored in trusts and estate planning, okay? When he started practicing law, my grandfather's partner, Max Barr, told him to go down to his first day as a lawyer and get this client of his out of jail. All right. My father had no idea we'd ever be a criminal or want to be a criminal lawyer, but he actually became probably the best and most well-known prominent criminal lawyer of his time in the state of New Jersey. Um, he said, and his line was, well, that just shows you how well I knew myself in law school, that I've majored in a trust in the States, and he became such a great trial lawyer. Um, it's, there are so many different fields of law. You can be a transactional attorney, or you could be on your feet in front of juries and judges. I always emulated my father, my uncle Richard, and I always felt like I wanted to be a trial lawyer. I wanted to be in court on my feet. And, uh, but I was very shy when I was younger. I was very hard. The hardest thing to do was to be able to um, get in front of a room of people and command a room and be able to not have stage fright, so to speak. And so I forced myself through law school to do like the, all the moot court boards and the, and the trial teams and everything I had to do to get myself on my, I even started doing that in college, the taking, you know, uh, persuasion classes and debate classes and things like that. So that was something that personally I felt I had to overcome. And even to this day, even before a jury trial, I still get butterflies, you know, before the trial starts. Once I get rolling, I feel good about it. But always being in the courtroom interested me. I thought I was going to end up being more of a criminal lawyer uh, in terms of 100% of my practice. And now over time, it's developed to probably about 70% of what I do is more civil 
litigation, estate-related litigation, and maybe about 30% of what I'm doing now is criminal and traffic court, municipal court. Um, so I think over time it evolves, um, but having, I always knew I wanted to be in a courtroom. I always knew I wanted to go be in court and see people. And when I chose a clerkship, I was fortunate enough to be hired by Judge Lawrence Lawson, who was presiding criminal judge at the time in Monmouth County. And that got me, you know, a year between law school and starting practice um, to see what was going on in the courthouse and meet all the people, the judges, and, and get a really great education and what it means to be in court, be a trial lawyer. So I think that's attracted me the most about it was just, you know, being a litigator more than anything. So you leaned in what, what I find interesting, because I only know you as an outgoing, vibrant, you know, articulate person, but you didn't feel that about yourself. And you had to push through and lean into something that actually felt uncomfortable uh, because that was what your passion was and what you wanted to end up doing. So I, I find that terrific. Uh, so, you know, now you've seen me. I mean, I've gotten to the point in my personal life and world I can walk into just about any room and meet every single person, you know, and tell them if I'm there for them, if they ever need any help and give them a business or whatever. Um, you know, I've gotten to that point in life uh, to be able to, to, to command, a, you know, feel like I could command a room and I don't get those butterflies in that context. But it, it's a while when I'm starting a jury trial, I still get a little bit of those butterflies because you're talking. To well, I, I know famous sports uh, figures that uh, they get nervous before every game. Right. right. Still. And, and you would think they wouldn't. So. All right. You got into law. You, you, you did all the things that you pushed through these boundaries. Right. That you were afraid of and you yeah. did it. So here you are. You're, you're going to try your first case. You, we don't win every case, right? right? You don't win every case. How do you get, and there's so much at stake when it comes to yes. what you do, because it's people's lives in a, in a much different way, right? Yes. How, how do you deal with that? How, and, and how did you get through your first couple cases? I don't know if you won or lost, but sure. like, well, you know, that's got to be difficult. The cases we end up trying are usually the most difficult ones. Because if they weren't, they would most likely settle because 95% of cases, both criminal and civil, will settle at some point in time. The system is designed because of, of, of uh, uh, the resources available, the amount of judges available, the amount of cases are being filed. The system is designed to try to really help uh, facilitate settlements of cases. But those you end up trying usually are very, you know, the difficult ones. Um, uh, the, the key, and this goes back to day one, and I learned these lessons from my, my mentors, my Uncle Richard especially. Uh, uh, my father had retired before I started practicing law in the firm. Uh, but the key to everything is being a successful lawyer. And I think being a successful person is to be uh, prepared and to be organized. And that starts the day the client walks in your office. The day the client walks in my office and I open a file, I'm thinking about what this is, how am I going to present this to a jury one day? And for the next two, three years, when my file is developing, I'm building my file, targeting, you know, being ready to go to court and try that case. Um, so um, my first, I'll never forget, my first jury trial was in Ocean County. Um, I had a gentleman as an adversary. Uh, and one of the witnesses in the case happened to be the managing partner in my firm at the time. Uh, I'll leave the name out. I won't mention the name. And it was a business dispute. It wasn't even a personal injury or criminal case. Uh, and the case had kicked around the office for many, many years. And I had to pick it up last second and try the case. And, uh, you know, the, the, it, I think we were the defendant. I think the plaintiffs, say for sake of argument, they were seeking $1,000 of damages. I think I whittled it down to about $350 by the time the jury was over. The case was over. I considered that a win at the time. Uh, 
so that was my first trial. And, uh, and you know, over the years, I've had all, all kinds of cases. Um, and I, to the point where I became a certified civil trial attorney. Um, and I've had complicated medical malpractice cases. And some of them, when you lose and you have four or five years of work in and you have money invested and the amount of time you have invested, I mean, it's very hard. There's, there's a lot of peaks and valleys in my profession. You, the peaks are when you get windfalls, but there's, you know, there's cases where you invest a lot of time and energy, blood, sweat, and tears in, and you can come out with nothing on the other side. That's part of the nature of being a personal injury lawyer. So, so what do you think sets apart successful professionals in your industry that actually can achieve the goals of what they're setting out for? Like, well, like, what kind of mindset do you have to have? Uh, I know preparation, you know, that's more of a yeah. thing that you do, but what, what, what kind of mindset do you have to have to be in your business and get through all these peaks and valleys for so many years? I mean, and just to, you know, to have a firm that's been around since 1929, I'm sure it all didn't go well all the time. Right. So how do you have to get, how do you get through that? Well, personally, I'll, I'll answer the first question, part of the question first, you know, personally, my opinion on how to be a successful person in life is to, um, learn from your ancestors, to honor your parents, honor the values they taught you to start with. Um, translate that into the, your interactions with other people in everyday life. Be organized, be prepared. Um, and I believe to be on top of your game at all times. In my world, I am always working. I am working whether I'm in my office. I am working whether I am out to dinner with friends, meeting potential new clients. I am working when I'm lying in bed at night trying to go to sleep thinking about my cases. Uh, I am always working in my brain. And I think most highly successful pe people always are working. Even if I'm on vacation, I'm working thinking about things. And you know, I, I try to do three basic things every day in my practice to make sure I get them done. Number one is to return every phone call I receive that day. Number two is to answer every piece of mail or correspondence or electronic mail I receive every day now. And three is to make sure I sign off on every piece of paper my assistants have prepared for me that day. And if you can do that, um, you'll stay on, you know, stay afloat and stay on top of your practice and be ahead of the curve. Um, but I think you have to have a certain type A personality to, you know, I think having that type of personality helps you in higher pressure types of uh, professions, so to speak. Right. Now, in terms of the firm, I'm fortunate in, and John, you've been business partners with family members and having family members. Uh, I've seen a lot of law firms that are family members. They, they cannot stand each other. I mean, they literally are at war. <laughs> I'm very lucky and blessed that my family loves each other. We are great partners and we are like the heart of our law firm. We've grown and merged over the years and been fortunate to have many great law partners over the years. But we've always gotten along as a partnership in a business because at the heart of it is our family and they see how we relate to each other. And that translates to the rest of the firm. We also have a balanced business in the sense of, you know, if, if something's up, something may be down, you know, if, if real estate's right. down, maybe bankruptcies are up or, you know, so um, we tend to support ourselves through the valleys and hopefully get to the peaks, so to speak. So what's, what was, what has been your biggest, because you've been doing it for a long time yeah. right now, what was your biggest setback and was there ever a time where law wasn't for you? And how do you get through that mindset? And, and, you know, you could start with the setback. My biggest setback in my life or professionally? Pro professionally. Well, um, I don't really think I've had any major setbacks professionally. I think I've continually, you know, grown 
a great law practice over the years. Um, I, you know, COVID was a setback for everybody. Um, trying, yeah. trying to learn how to continue to function and support really more concern for the people who work for you and with you. How are we going to get our staff through this? How are we going to keep our, our business functioning? How are we going to take care of the people that we need to take care of every day? And, and I learned, we learned, and I personally learned with having my assistants working remotely. And I was the one going to the office with the mask and gloves on, putting the letters together and doing all that. Um, after that, I, I've been fortunate that I've had my main assistant. She's been with me for my entire career. She's been with me 33 years now. Um, she's the longest female relationship I've ever had in my life. <laughs> I think other than my mother who passed away and I think I was 34. Um, she moved to Florida after the pandemic. Uh, but I've kept her on and she's still working with me because I learned through the pandemic that she can work. We can work somewhat effectively remotely. And it's more of an asset having her remotely than not having her at all at this point. So, but that was a bit of a setback, um, you know. Was there any case, I know you don't talk about cases and right. you shouldn't, but was there any case that threw you for such a loop that you, you know, woke up the next morning saying, why am I doing this? Like, well, was there anything that diverted you from this, this journey that you're on right now? Uh, I, you know, I've had, I've had cases that I've invested when I was a younger lawyer, particularly I had my first murder case. Um, I had worked really hard on it. I, you know, invested a lot of time and I thought I did all the right things for the client. Uh, but the client got cold feet having such a young attorney, uh, you know, going from on a murder case. And at the, you know, close to the end, they left me for a more experienced trial attorney. But I took the position of trying to help that attorney help the client as opposed to having sour grapes about it. You know, there's those kinds of lessons get learned over time. You know, like I said, there's been cases where I've had much money time invested and, and a jury doesn't come back your way. And, you know, you got to pick yourself up and dust yourself off and, and move on to the next one. So, um, like all professions, you have your, you know, you have your, your low moments, but, uh, hopefully you continue to march forward and upward. Um, and well, I guess it's cause you love what you do so yeah. much that like, it can bring you through those moments. And, you know, you, you brought up your father being one of the most successful, uh, attorneys in New Jersey. And I know that, and, you know, obviously, uh, he had an amazing reputation. How was that? Is, is that something that always was hard for you to like live up to? Like, did that help you hurt you? Like, did it drive you to like, how did you get through that type of scenario? Cause like, you know, it's, it's in society all over the place, well, right? You see it. Yeah. That's a great question, by the way. And I've addressed it before. And I, I actually was with a group of uh, elders, seasoned lawyers the other night, we had a dinner together and actually everyone was supposed to give a little speech. And I mentioned the same thing because my father passed away this past year. Um, all growing, all growing up and becoming a young lawyer, so many lawyers that had cases with my father and respected and admired him or watched him try a case in the courtroom would have a war, we call them war, war stories. Okay. would have a story about my father. Oh, I had this case with your dad. He did, he was the best. That, and they would always, always say that, you know, the best trial lawyer I've ever seen, there'll never be another Robert Ansell is what everybody always says. And so my father always said to me when I chose to be a lawyer, he said, listen, you don't have to be me. You don't have to be anybody but yourself. And the only way you're going to be a successful, authentic attorney is if you are yourself. And that's the only way you can truly bond with juries, by the way, 
is by being yourself. The most important thing is not to, you know, I've learned over the years, you know, you, you can't, it's not necessary, uh, necessarily flowery oration that wins over the day. It's building trust with people. It's building trust with the jury. Um, and you can only do that if you're authentic and if you're yourself. And, and, and some people have a better flair for it than others, um, but that's very important. So my father always said, you know, you don't have to be another Robert Ansell, just be yourself. Uh, and and I thought that that was an incredibly helpful, you know, advice at the time, especially hearing it from everybody, uh, you know, how much that he was revered in his practice. So were you someone that, when he was here, obviously, uh, that would seek advice? Like, did, like, how did you use it as a resource? Now, now that you had this feeling yes. that you didn't have to be a him, because like, that's a hard thing to get through, you know, with all of us. I mean, I know a lot of people that have successful parents, people that have successful, uh, you know, people in sports, you know, and, and they want to go in and follow in the footsteps. Did you use it as a resource and, and or not? A hundred percent. Any chance I got, I would, uh, and my uncle Richard as well, both of them. Um, my, they both had great, great abilities to see things outside the box, to look outside the box, to have a different viewpoint on a case or a set of facts or a tact of argument to make on a, on a certain situation. So I always felt fortunate and blessed to be able to discuss my cases with my father uh, even though he had retired from practicing law, he he loved hearing about them. And and if I had a complicated criminal case, I would always send him the the, the, the police reports, the discovery. I look, I asked him to look it over for me, give get his thoughts on it. Um, and so that was a resource I was I was uh, lucky to have and to use. And I, I would have been. So a you learned how to ask for help. Yes, absolutely. And use it as a resource, which I think is a lesson here for everyone. You know, we all want to be our own people and we all want to be successful and we want it to be like it's all on our own. There's nothing by yourself. And the minute you realize that if you're given resources, it's almost negligence not to use them and get over your ego 100%. and like dive in. And, I, you know, I'm asking the question. I know you my whole life. I, I've seen you do it in such an eloquent way with your whole family. And it's fun to watch. So, but I, I think people need to realize that asking for help is a superpower and getting over, you know, you being the one that has to be the one for doing right. everything is also something that can take you down the wrong road. So if you could pick another profession other than law, and I know, yeah. you know, law would be, the, would be the first choice. What would be something Brian would do? Outside law. Well, I would, if I had the skills, I would love to be a professional golfer, but we all know that's not going to happen. <laughs> you and I know that's not going to happen. Um, I would have probably pursued a career in politics as opposed to law. Okay. Because I studied politics in school. I think it's a great foundation for being a lawyer, being a political science major. I loved it. I enjoyed it. I understand it. I think it's something I'm best at understanding. I have a much better head for politics than I do for the financial industry, for example. Um, so I think that's probably another career I, I would have enjoyed pursuing. How far I would have gotten, who knows? It's interesting, though, how lawyers that like lawyers, law and politics sort yes. of they go to history, right? Yeah. Law, politics, history. It's uh, well, it's always been a, most most presidents of the United States have been lawyers, um, and, yeah. and most lawyers are political science majors. I, say, I would say the majority are, are political science yeah. majors. Yeah, oh, that's great. Yeah. Well, Brian, first of all, I want to thank you for coming on. You're, you're, you're a great person. 
You're someone to learn from. I've learned from you my whole life. I'm so happy that we're such good friends. How do people find the Ansel Law Firm? You got a website? Like, what's the website? Just, Do you have LinkedIn? Yeah, like what, uh, just Google Ansel Law or Brian Ansel or Ansel Grimm and Aaron. Um, and we're here, our main office in Monmouth County. We have satellite offices in Princeton and North Jersey. Uh, we do practice throughout the state and a wide variety of practices. And John, I'll just say thank you so much for having me. Everything we talked about about my family today is equally true for your family. And everything you said as to me as your friend, I feel the same way 100%. I'm so lucky to have you as one of my best friends in my life. I'm proud of you. And I love that you're doing this podcast. Well, thanks for coming on. And I'm sure everyone's going to love this uh, this podcast. So thank you, Brian. My pleasure, John. See you soon, buddy.